Today we continue in Advent, and it's the third Sunday of Advent. And as we've talked, Advent is that celebration, that anticipation of the arrival of Christ. And with the arrival of Christ come gifts like hope and peace and joy and love. And over the past uh, couple weeks, we've explored the gifts of hope and peace. And this morning, we just want to spend some time exploring that gift of joy. Now, when it comes to joy, I think we love joy. We love it. I think that's one of the reasons why we love this time of year. Right, You have the feel-good Hallmark Christmas movies. With if you're, if you're like us, we probably have 20 DVR. I mean, just like there's just loads of them. We're just waiting to watch those, right? So we watch the Hallmark Christmas movies. They're feel-good. You know how they're going to end before they even start, right? And, and all this stuff. But there's just something about it, right, that gets you in that mood of joy. There's the Christmas caroling. There's Christmas songs. There's uh, Christmas uh, parties and all this different stuff related to this feeling of joy. And I think, that again, that's why we, we like this time of year. But did you know that 30 days after Christmas Day is the most depressing day of the year? January 24th is on record as being the most depressing day of the year, according to a psychologist named Dr. Cliff Arnell, who is a psychologist and professor at the University of Cardiff in Wales. And he specializes in seasonal disorders. And one of the things that he did was he took various variables, right? He took variables like weather, motivation, time of year, and he put all those into some kind of algorithm. I don't know what, but out popped January 24th as the most depressing day of the year. Some think because that's when all the bills come due for all the presents we bought the month earlier. All right, but all those things come out, and some have even moved the day, the most depressing day, to be the third Monday of January, which now is called Blue Monday. So here we are just 30 days after what we would call one of the most joyful days of the year, and 30 days later, we have the most depressing day of the year. Well, what's that tell you? What's that tell me about the kind of joy that we experience at Christmas? It fades, right? It comes and goes. It it fades. But like we've done with hope and peace, I want you to imagine a joy that doesn't fade. Try to imagine that. Uh, Imagine a joy that's with you even when the boss calls you in to his office, sits you down, and says the company's downsizing, and we have to let you go. Imagine a joy that's with you even in that moment. Imagine a joy that's with you when you get the doctor's report, and it's not what you were hoping to hear. Imagine a joy that's with you when the relationship you want isn't. Imagine a joy that's with you after you've made the biggest mistake of your life. In some ways, I think it's difficult for us to grab a hold of of that kind of joy. But imagine a joy that's with you, whether it's Christmas Day or Blue Monday. Can you imagine a joy like that? And see, that's why, again, Advent and Christmas is such good news, because with the arrival of Christ is the arrival of that kind of joy. Now, if you've been with us for the past two weeks, you probably know where we're headed when it comes to where's this kind of joy? What is it? But we're going to take the journey there anyway because I think it's important for us to take the journey 
this journey to this kind of joy that's with us regardless of our circumstance. And so join me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. So when the angels announced to the shepherds, right, I bring you good news of great joy. What kind of joy are they talking about? Luke chapter 2. Luke records for us this moment when these angels show up to a band of shepherds on the hillside in Bethlehem. And we'll pick it up in verse 8. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So imagine yourself there. You're one of the shepherds, and, and this is happening. And it says, And they were filled with great fear. And the angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what, what do they mean when they're talking about great joy? Well, literally translated, it means mega gladness. Helps somewhat. All right, well, mega, what's that? It's, it's huge. It's extreme. And, and gladness or joy is just this delight. And so what the angels are saying is that, that there is this huge, extreme delight. And they say, who's it for? All people. It's for you. It's for me. It's for your neighbor. It's for those you work with. It's for those you sit next to in class. It's, it's for all people. And so here you have this mega gladness, this extreme delight that is for all people. Well, where does this extreme pleasure, this extreme joy come from? Well, the angels tell us, right? They connect it back to the good news. They say, we're bringing you good news of great joy. So this great joy is connected to what? The good news. Well, what's the good news? They tell us. For unto you, verse 11 is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the angels are connecting this extreme, mega, huge joy to the arrival of Christ, to the birth of Jesus. And so they're saying there's this joy that's connected to this good news, to the arrival of this baby that has come, and his name being Jesus. Well, what's the good news? Well, most of us know this, okay? And we do, right? We've heard it over and over to where we're just inoculated with the gospel. It's like we hear about Jesus saving us from our sins. We're like, oh, okay, well, that's great. What's for lunch? Right? And we just, we just kind of, because we've heard it so much. But what's the good news? Well, for there to be good news, you need to understand the bad news. The bad news is you're not just a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're a sinner. Everyone here, myself, you are a sinner, So am I. You sin because that's who you are without Christ. You're a, a sinner. You don't just make mistakes. You do that too. But we sin against a holy God. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59 that it is that sin that separates us from God. And so the good news is that God loved us so much that he sent his son that he promised in Genesis chapter 3 that he would send. 
And he would send his own son to us to walk upon this earth, to die on a cross, to pour out his blood on that cross, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, those who trust and surrender their lives to him, believing in him for the forgiveness of their sins, they become set free, they become forgiven, and that, that presence that they were banished from in the garden is restored. Why? Because you did something? No, because of what God did for us through his son Jesus. And so with the arrival of Christ is the arrival of good news, and this good news has attached to it great joy. That your identity doesn't have to be sinner anymore. That's not your identity for those who are in Christ. That's not who you are, and that's good news. Your identity is not your past. It's not your present. It's not your future. It's not who you're dating or who you're not dating. It's not in your job. It's not in your performance at work. It's not in your marriage or your relationship. That's not your identity anymore, and that's good news. And so this is good news, and attached to this good news is great joy. And this baby who was born in Bethlehem grows up and he has some disciples and he talks to these disciples. And in one of the conversations with his disciples, he elaborates even more on where this joy comes from. So join me in that conversation, the gospel of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus is going to tell us a little bit more about where this joy comes from, this great joy. John chapter 15. And let's read verses 1 through 11. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. Man, doesn't that take the pressure off? Just be a branch. Don't try to be the vine. Just receive. Just receive what Jesus has for you. I love that. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And here's the verse I want us to capture. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, the psalmist in Psalm 1611 said this. In your presence, talking about the presence of God, is the fullness of joy. So the presence of God, the person of God, is full joy. Then look what Jesus says. He says, these things I've written, I've spoken to you. Why? So that whose joy may be in us? My joy, Jesus says. 
Jesus says, I'm going to put my joy in you. Why? So that your joy can be full. That's crazy to me. That's crazy that Jesus would do that. That Jesus isn't just trying to help you learn how to stir up your own joy. He's like, you can't do that. I mean, you can try, but if you try it, it's never full. We're always left wanting. And so we chase after joy in this to that or whatever. We think we'll get it from this. So we chase after Jesus. Like, no, 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 stop. Just like with hope and peace, just, just stop chasing after those things. I am the joy. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to actually place my joy, and he's God, so that joy, is, he, he's eternal, he's forever, so this is forever joy, and he's always full, so his joy, he's going to put it in you. That's amazing to me. Incredible that he would do that. Now, I've never had a blood transfusion. Anybody here had a blood transfusion? All right. I've never had that, but... I think it goes like this, right? Where you get transfused with someone else's blood. Is that pretty much how that thing goes? Okay, all right. Well, uh, when you receive Jesus, you kind of receive this like joy transfusion. The moment you receive Christ, right? You surrender your life to Jesus is like, I'm going to place me in you. And I'm going to put me in you. And when you get me, you get my joy. And my joy is always full. So therefore, if my joy is always full and I'm in you, what's that say about your joy? It's full. And so with the arrival of Christ at Christmas and through his life on earth and his death, burial, and resurrection, the moment a person surrenders their life to Jesus, Jesus places himself in you. And when you get him, you get his joy. And his joy is always full. Joy is wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. It's wrapped up in the good news because Jesus is the good news. And so think about this with me, just like with hope and peace. If joy is a person, then if you always have that person, you always have what? Joy. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how you might be feeling. You say, well, I don't feel very joyful. Well, you have joy whether you feel it or not. Because it's not your joy. It's his. He's in you. And I think that's why like, I'll read stories of people that are suffering for Christ. And you read their, their letters or their comments. And you're just like, man, how in the world are they able to have so much joy in the midst of extreme persecution and suffering? I don't understand that. Well, the only answer I can come is because it's not their joy they're trying to stir up. It's the supernatural joy that they have. And the Apostle Paul even elaborated more on this joy in the book of Galatians chapter 5. So join me there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. In this letter, the Apostle Paul writes, and this is familiar to some of us. He says, but the fruit of of the Spirit is love. What's next? Joy. The fruit of the Spirit. So what the Spirit produces is this joy. So when you receive Christ, right, and you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is the one who's producing this joy in you. He's doing it. 
It's, it's his fruit. It's not something I have to try to go chase after and stir up in myself. It's something that, the, that God himself does for us and in us. And that's why I think when we read about people who are following Jesus in other parts of the world, even here in the, in the States, and, and they seem to have this joy, or even when they're going through intense suffering, and they just have, have this sense of joy. Where does that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit who's producing in them this joy that they've already received in Christ. John Piper describes it this way. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. And like with hope and peace, we say, well, why don't I always feel this? Because I think we're trying to find these things in so many other things other than Jesus. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget our identity in Christ and what Jesus has already given us. He is the hope that defeats despair. He is the peace that makes you whole. He is the joy that is full and not determined by your circumstance. Well, where do we see people experiencing this great joy? Let me show you a couple examples. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke, chapter, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Where do we see some examples of people experiencing this great joy? Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus tells them this story, this parable, an earthly message, or a, an earthly story with a, with a heavenly message. And it says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders. And what's he doing? He's rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he's saying to them, rejoice with me. Why? Because I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What do we see here? We see a joy that's connected to people receiving Jesus Christ, surrendering their lives to Jesus. And you see, there's more joy in heaven. That Heaven is going crazy. There's a huge amount of joy going on in heaven when someone recognizes that they're a sinner, that they're lost apart from Christ, and then they're found. When you experience this joy, when you are living your life on mission, seeking to help people understand the goodness and grace and glory of Jesus. And when you're living your life to help people see Jesus for who he is and surrender their lives to him, there's great joy connected to that. But when else do we see people experiencing this joy? Go to the, the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verses 49 through 52. Pick it up in verse 48. It says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. 
and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples, check this out, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here they are, they're being persecuted, right? They're suffering, and yet they're filled with joy. So, so this great joy is something, as we said, that, that you don't just experience when things are going good. This joy is with you when it's going bad. This joy is with you when life is hard. Even James wrote, counted all joy, right, when you're entering trials and temptations and struggles because that stuff that's going on right now, there's a purpose for it, a heavenly purpose for it. To help you understand just how much you're loved in Jesus Christ and conforming you to look more like Jesus Christ. He says, count it all joy. Do you see how joy is always connected to Christ? To making him known. And so what this tells me is not only do you experience this joy when you're talking to people about Jesus and surrendering your life to him, but when you're suffering for Jesus. And so this is a joy that's not dependent or not determined by your circumstance. It's a joy that you experience if you're lifting up your hands to be chained in persecution because you follow Christ or you're lifting up your hands in worship with your house church. Because this joy is a person wrapped up in Jesus. Man, if we could just get a hold of this, right? With the arrival of Christ comes the arrival of a joy, a full joy that's not determined by your circumstance. So how do you receive this great joy, right? By surrendering to the good news, by receiving Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're not a a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, you say, man, this is the kind of joy I've been looking for. How do I get it? Acknowledging that you're a sinner before God. And it is your sin that separates you from Christ and separates you then from this great joy. A joy that's with you regardless of your circumstance. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, you acknowledge that you're a sinner, believing that Jesus Christ is the one who was born and died on a cross and through his blood provides you the forgiveness of your sins so that sin is removed and you're forgiven and you're brought back in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you receive Christ, you receive a hope that defeats despair. You receive a peace that makes you whole and you receive a joy that is full despite your circumstance. But I think most of you, I'm talking most, mostly to people who, who know Christ and have Christ. What's this mean for us? You have joy. <laughs> whether, whether you're frowning or whether you're like just going through a tough time, you have joy. If you have Christ, you are full of joy. It's why Paul, I think, can sit in a prison and sing hymns. You know, like Acts 16, right, Philippians, or, or they're, they're in the, the jail with the Philippi guy, you know, right? And they're just singing hymns, having joy. I'm like, what? How? That's why he can write then to the Philippians, he could say, rejoice where? In the Lord. Paul knows that our source for true joy is Christ. And man, that, doesn't that free us? Free us from trying to find it or stir it up or try to feel something that we're not? 
It's like, no, Christ is going, I, and the joy you're trying to feel, it's not even yours. Stop. She's going, I, I put my joy in you. You have my joy. And it's full. It's full. There's a, the, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. So most of us are familiar with that song. And some of you may know the story behind that song. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. And back in the 1800s, and it was an incredible time for he and his family. There was a great Chicago fire. They lived in Chicago. They were forced from their home. Things got a little bit better, if I understand the story right. They are going to take a trip over to Europe. And so he sends his wife and his four daughters on a ship over to Europe. He gets delayed because of work. While that ship is, on, is sailing, the ship goes down. His wife, his four daughters die. His wife survives. And so he meets up with his wife. And if I understand more to the story, they have another child. That child dies. I mean, just, you talk about tragedy upon tragedy. And yet the story goes where he and his wife and their kids that they had after their daughters, they end up going to Jerusalem to share the gospel. And he pins, it is well with my soul, as he was traveling over the very spot where his daughters perished. And he writes what? It is well with my soul. And he says, oh, the bliss of the glorious thought. And then there's a line where he says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. How in the world are you able to say that and mean it? How? And then how are you to pick up the pieces and then actually continue to go follow Jesus and so you can spread the good news of great joy to those who need him? How? Only answer I can give is because his source of joy was not in his circumstance, but in his Christ. That's how. That's how. And with the arrival of Christ comes the arrival of joy, a full joy that is not determined by your circumstance. And that is such good news. Do you know people who need that joy? Do you know people are chasing for it? They're trying to find it? Absolutely. So what do we do next, right? What's the next step? What are the challenges for us? I think there's a couple of challenges. The first is to abide. To just abide in Jesus. Right? The whole context when Jesus says, uh, my joy is in you, and so that your joy might be full, he's talking about abiding. Just spend time with Jesus. I think one of the things, reasons why we struggle so much to experience this joy is because we're, we're abiding in so many other things other than him. And he's like, no, I'm writing these things to you. I'm telling you to just abide. And that's not a coming or a going. That's a communicating. That's a fellowshipping. That's just like Mary at the feet of Jesus. Just, I just want to be in his presence. But we're like Martha, right? But we're doing all this, thing, which aren't bad things. We're serving. We're doing great things. And Jesus, just stop. Just abide. And just think about me and who I am and what you have in me. And, and so the first challenge is for us to just abide in Jesus. Because if you are abiding in Jesus and Jesus is the joy, then what are you really abiding in? Joy. 
You're getting to know this full joy that he's given to you. And I'm telling you, just from practice, you have to train your mind to think differently. Right? Because all throughout the week, you're going, you're, your mind's just so crazy and busy. You're thinking, you know, I don't have joy, whatever. And then you, in that moment, you have to immediately think, wait, no, no, no. Jesus, I, I have joy regardless of how I feel or regardless of my circumstance because Jesus Christ is in me. This is who I am because of Christ. And so you have to abide and you have to train your mind to think about the gospel, to think about the goodness of Jesus. But then there's another challenge, and I think the challenge is to simply share joy. Like the angels, right? We bring you good news of great joy, which are to all people. It's our turn now. The angels had their opportunity. Now it's ours, right? Jesus has given us the privilege, like the angels, to go take the good news to all people. And so you have good news of great joy. So my question is, who are you going to share that with this week? Who will you share the great joy of Jesus with this week? On Friday, I pulled up to a stoplight here in Newtown. And as I was waiting for the light to turn green, I looked to my left, and there was one of those like life-size nativity sets. You know, like probably like six feet, and they had the stable, the wooden stable, and they had the, the plastic figurines. And you had the wise men, you had the sheep, you had the donkey, you had the shepherds. I think you had the star as well. You had Mary and Joseph. And I'm like looking at this, and I'm going, and they're all kind of like focused in, like all the, on one area, like, to, you know, like, like most nativity scenes. And then as I'm looking further, I'm like, there's somebody missing. Jesus was missing. There was no baby Jesus in this nativity set. None. I mean, I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, oh, it's so nice. And I'm like, Jesus is missing. Isn't that like a lot of people? A lot of people you know, maybe you. <laughs> We're like looking for joy. We're looking for peace. We're looking for, for, for hope. And what we're missing is Jesus. We're missing Christ. And there's so many people in your circle of friends and network of relationships that are looking and searching and their gaze, and yet we know that who they're missing is Jesus. And so the question for us this morning is, who will we share the great joy of Jesus with this week? Advent is a wonderful opportunity to talk to people about Jesus just imagine walking up to somebody and somebody you know and you're in conversation. Man, you know, I've been thinking a lot about joy this week. We were talking about it at church. I'm like, could you imagine if there was a joy? Could you just imagine a joy that you had despite whether things were great or not? Could you just imagine having that kind of joy? Well, can you what, what would that be like if there was a joy like that? If there actually was a joy like that, would that interest you? I think most people would be like, yeah. Well, we have, we have the answer. We, we know the answer to that. His name is Jesus. You know, with the arrival of Christ comes the arrival of joy. A full joy that is not determined by a circumstance and a joy that is with us, whether it's Christmas Day or Blue Monday. If you have Christ, you have joy. Full joy. Joy.